If you want to pump your body and expand your mind, there's only one place to go. Mind Pump. Mind Pump. With your hosts, Sal Stefano, Adam Schaefer, and Justin Andrews. In this episode of Mind Pump, we got rid of Justin. Justin had to leave early, but he was here for the most of the episode. So Justin, Adam, and I do our normal introductory current events conversation. We start out by talking about pranks. Uh, Sal's I, poop. I, it was it was hilarious. At he least thinks to me. he's the shit. At least for me, uh, we talk about my daughter's stand up comedy routine. So cute. She made me so proud. We talk about the Sacramento Kings mayonnaise video. Brilliant. I love mayonnaise. I dip everything in mayonnaise. We talk about Adam's infantile palate. What the <laughs> fuck? Like a baby. <laughs> and uh, and flavor snob Adam. Did sign off on on Organifi. In fact, I remember that when we first signed with Organifi, one of the litmus tests was Adam had to actually like the taste <laughs> of their products. And Bit he talked about he talked about the gold juice because that stuff is delicious. It's also very relaxing. It's got some adaptogenic herbs in there. If you go to OrganifiShop.com, enter the code MindPump, you get a pretty massive discount. Then we talked about robot brothels. Or at least sex uh, doll brothels. These are opening up all over Great discussion right here. Yeah, we're getting a little bit of debate. Uh, we talk about legislating morality. That's where it led. It got a little dark, but it was a good conversation. And then we talked about the Green Chef sex hack. <laughs> Green Chef's going to love this. Let me tell you something. <laughs> you want to, this is like a date night. It's one of the best date nights. If you order food from Green Chef, it's healthy, whatever. It's mostly prepped, and you cook it. With your significant other. It's also great for single people, too. So even if you don't have a mate, this is even better for those people, oh, so I think. It's great for everybody, but I love doing it with my girlfriend. We are sponsored by Green Chef. If you go to greenchef.us forward slash mind pump, uh, you all get $50 off your first box. And then we get into the questions. And by the way, show notes uh, at mindpumpmedia.com. Go to the podcast tab. Every episode has show notes with links. All the links that we talk about. So if anything that we uh, we talk study about the show, or whatever, direct links to it. It's right there. So the first question was, how do you improve your strength strength to weight strength? ratio? I know. <laughs> I, I sound like Elmer Fudd for a second. <laughs> Weskily Webbit. Uh, so strength to weight ratio. That's that. That means basically how strong you are versus how much you weigh. A better strength to weight ratio means you're lighter and stronger, so you can move better. What's the best way to improve that? We give the answers in this episode. The next question was, what are the signs that your body may give you that tell you, hey, it's time to eat more food. You're going to benefit from more calories. Find out in this episode. The next question was, what are our opinions uh, and experiences with training clients who've had nerve issues, nerve damage, nerve pain, tingling, uh, that kind of stuff? What do we recommend? And finally, last question what is our advice for trainers on how they can pull clients off the floor, potential clients off the floor? One of the most difficult things if you're a trainer in a big box gym is just getting leads. Even though you're in a, in a 30,000 or 20,000 or 40,000 square foot facility with all these potential leads working out, how do I get them to talk to me? How do I get them to schedule an assessment? We uncover our favorite techniques. Also, want to remind everybody this month, get free Forum access if you enroll in any MAPS bundle. Now, MAPS stands for Muscular Adaptation Programming Systems. These are our workout programs, and bundles are when we take multiple MAPS programs and put them together and organize them in ways to attack particular goals. For example, 
the Sexy Athlete Bundle. This combines MAPS performance and MAPS aesthetic. This is for people who want functional athletic performance, but also who want to sculpt and target particular parts of their body. So we put them together, we add some mods, and then we take the total price of both programs and we discount it by like 20 or 30% off. The other popular bundle we have is a super bundle, which is a year of exercise programs. So it's an entire year planned out for you. And remember, all of our programs have workout videos uh, and demos. We have you know uh, blueprints in there, us instructing you like personal trainers do. Super valuable. Enroll in any bundle and get free forum access. The place to get this or to find out more about our maps programs is mindpumpmedia.com. T-shirt time! T-squirt time! Squirt it! Yep, we had 21 reviews. Oh, yeah. Oh, 21. We're, I like when we're over 20. They yeah, can drink cool. now. Yeah, and we are giving out six shirts. <laughs> you can take care. You can Here's wear your shirt out to the bar. Yeah. <laughs> nice. All right, so those six winners are Haley Rianne, Shocked 2, Six Pack Beatdown, Farron Holt, wow. Jeff Politzaro, and I Lift the Things. All of you are winners. <laughs> Send the name I just read to iTunes at mindpumpmedia.com. Our listeners are the best, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Send your shirt size, your shipping address, and we'll get that right out to you. Thanks, guys. Yeah. Bunch of cavemen. Did you have to bring the poop in here? The fake poop? Yeah. He's such a dork. You know why, bro? <laughs> you know why? He wants to make us uncomfortable. Why? Because I'm the shit. Yeah, because you're Stop. the shit. <laughs> dad joke number one. Did you, dad we should have like a count. Is that something that was laying around or did you literally get I online actually, and I, ordered I, fake poop? I, I was sitting there talking to my kids and I was remembering, I don't remember what we were talking about. Oh, we were talking about like, like uh, they, they always tell me my kid's favorite thing to do, which by the way, if you're if you're a parent and your kids do this to you. I don't know. Maybe this will happen. This happens to you too, Justin. It's like the most heartwarming thing. But my kids are always like, well, eating dinner and they're always like, Papa, tell us a story about when you were a kid or tell us a story about when you were in school. Mm -hmm. And I just, it warms me up so much because my dad used to tell so many stories when when we were having dinner. I remember I would hear him tell the same stories over and over again, but I liked hearing them still. I knew it was going to happen, but I'd get excited. My dad's very animated. Oh yeah. So I'm telling them stories about like funny shit that we would do when we were kids and you know, when we were rascals and all this other stuff, and I always try and tie it in with some kind of a, and now you know, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the, the more you know. Yeah, like the old, the old G.I. Joe, yeah, at the yeah. end or whatever. So yeah. anyway, I was, I was doing it, and I remember thinking like, God, one of the funniest things that when I that I had when I was a kid was, well, there's two things I had. I had uh, stink bombs. Yeah. I'm definitely not going to give those to my kids. Uh, but uh, They'll figure that one out. Dude. They sell a fart spray, by the way. Yeah. I used to make them in chemistry. <laughs> they, sell, they sell a fart spray? Yeah. They sell a fart spray. I'm so close to buying it. A fart spray? <laughs> yes. Ooh, that's brilliant. Dude, you could just spray you it. spray it like on somebody. Exactly. That's horrible. Exactly. So, but I ordered. It's a dick move. I went on Amazon and I found fake poop. And yeah. so I ordered it. <laughs> I thought it was so great. And then I walked into my house. And so I got tissue paper. Yeah. So I held the tissue. So I had the tissue and I put it on the tissue paper. And I walked in, and the kids were all there, and I'm like, "Oh, look what I found outside!" And I'm like, Ugh, and I threw it at them. <laughs> ah, everybody freaked out, started laughing, and then my, oh now my, my kids God. are like, "So my kids today, uh, or no, yesterday actually, I brought it to work yesterday. They're like, take it to work and play a, a prank on your on your friends, and then film it for us." <laughs> oh yeah, I forgot to film it. Oh man. So what I want to do before I leave, maybe Adam with you, is I want I'm gonna I want you to pretend like. You get tricked, okay? Because yeah, well, the kids will get a you gotta kick recreate out of it. it, really sell it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, Sal, Sal was trying to get Taylor, and he puts it up 
on a chair, on a box, on a napkin, and I'm like, I don't think that's going to fool <laughs> yeah, yeah. when he walks in. Like, Not necessarily like, believable. Yeah, like, what do you guys' dogs jumped up on my chair and then got on a box and then <laughs> yeah. shit on a napkin? Like, <laughs> I like the idea yesterday when you had it outside, like it was a bum just took a dump right next yeah. to the door. Yeah. I was like, yeah, that's believable. Yeah, exactly. You know, like, that could actually happen. I love it. Look at that thing. It looks so real. Yeah. Anyway. No, so- I love that too. Like it, it's not really at dinner time uh, necessarily. Like I tell the stories, like I'll usually tell it before bed. And so like they always hijack when I'm reading them an actual story. They just won't have it anymore. They don't, they don't want me to actually read like Courtney, she'll read and like get through the books with them and everything. They literally stop me mid tracks and like, make it funnier, daddy. Use a different voice, like they're like really demanding. That's great. You know, it's like oh, it's like oh shit, I gotta like sharpen my skills. Now, have you told them stories about yourself yet? Like when oh, when I was a kid or when I was in high school? Yeah, I know your kids are young. Okay, yeah, because I don't know about you, man, but when my dad would tell me stories about you know the time he you know got in a fight with the dude or the time he Mm -hmm. you know was able to lift this big thing or whatever. I was like listening to my superhero. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah they're just like like captivated oh, with every word. My kids love it. You know what I mean. It just yeah. so it feels so good. But anyway, speaking of of jokes, so my I'm so uh, so proud of my kids. So proud of my kids because they uh, they're way more confident than I was at their age for sure, hundred percent. So my daughter's in second grade, and they have a talent show in her whole school. And my daughter's like, I want to, I'm going to be in the talent show. Now this is in front of the whole school and she's in second grade. So there's not, I don't think there's that many second graders who are going to be the ones going up on stage. So she wants to do this talent show. Now I'm like trying hard to not, um, transmit my, my anxiousness and nervousness to her. You know what I mean? Right. So she tells us and I'm like, are you sure you want to do it? And I think to myself, like, be careful. Don't question too much. Cause I'm questioning her cause I'm nervous. So I'm like, are you sure you want to do it? She's like, yeah, I want to do it. So I'm like, okay. I'm like, do you, do you feel nervous? And she's like, yeah, but I still want to do it. So I'm like, oh, fuck, this is cool. So at first what she wanted to do is she wanted to do a dance, like dance act. But then she like wouldn't practice it with her mom and she didn't like to do it. And I'm like, and so I took her aside and I said, do you, are you sure you really want to do this talent show? And she said, yes. I said, because you're not practicing, you know, if you're really nervous and it's scaring you, you can tell me if you don't want to do it. And she's like, well, I am nervous. And I said, is it just that you don't want to dance? And she's like, kind of. I said, why don't you do something else? So we started talking. And so she's going to do a comedy act. She's going to do a stand-up act where she goes up and she tells jokes to the school. <laughs> tell so the first great. joke Tell the first uh, joke again. Well, so yesterday was a rehearsal. Oh, yeah. okay. And the rehearsal was in front of not the, not the whole school, but all the kids that are going to be doing the talent show performing now i'm i went to watch her and i'm fucking nervous (laughs) were you standing up close or kind of like on the side i'm on the side "Ah, in the back your nails yeah like nervous and i'm nervous kind of for her but also because you can't help but place yourself in their shoes oh yeah and in second grade there's not in a million you couldn't have paid me you couldn't have done anything that would have forced me to go on stage by myself (laughs) to do anything in front of a bunch of kids you know it it would just would, would have mortified me yeah so she's up there i'm super nervous and she just, she told the joke. She enunciated very well. A couple people laughed. She comes down and I'm just like so proud of her. So then afterwards we're leaving on the way home. I'm like, so I'm like, you did so good. Like I recorded it and I showed her and I said, uh, and she goes, I have another idea. And I said, well, what do you want to do? She goes, I know what I want to wear when I go up there. So I didn't even think of this. I'm like, I don't know. What do you want to wear? 
And she's like, I want to wear a banana suit. No way, dude. No way. Yes. That's brilliant. Don't we we have the banana suit? Yeah, but she's she's not going to fit her. Yeah. Is it huge? Yeah. It's for an adult. Bro, it's not one size. <laughs> it's not for a little kid, dude. One size fits all is not literal. Even better. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she won't even see what's going off. It wouldn't even look like a banana. Look no. like a banana peel. Yeah. No, dude, she wants to wear a banana suit. And I'm just like, and especially because she's my she's my girl. Yeah. And I think sometimes girls, I know boys for sure are encouraged to be funny and goofy. Mm-hmm. But girls sometimes are, I think, embarrassed to do that because they might feel like they're not being cute or whatever. And when you try to be funny, you get you fail a lot. That's just part yeah. of being funny. You, yeah. pra- you have to practice, right? Dude. The fact she wants to wear a fucking banana dude, suit. putting it out there like that. Yes. Oh, it's so great, man. It makes that, my heart warm. And that sells it even more, too. And she just like intuitively like thought of that. That's great, man. Dude. You got, you get, talking about funny and prank shit, I got to share this. You guys just reminded me of something now. Doug, you got to look this up so the boys can see this. So uh, Google um, Sacramento Kings <coughs> and mayonnaise. Oh, yeah. This is fucking, this is so great. So let me, as Doug's looking it up, let me tell you a little bit about the Sacramento Kings this year. Like, so I believe that their uh, viewership is down. The team is just kind of struggling. They traded one of their star players this this year, um, uh, Demarcus uh, Cousins, and I think like they're just the team's been kind of taking a tank, and so is like attendance and shit. Mm. So check this out. So this is this pops up on TV just like this is two days ago, and. It's these two girls. One of them's wearing a Sacramento. They're at the Kings game, and they're look at they're doing. They're eating a jar of mayonnaise with a spoon. Yeah, why? It's fucking brilliant. Wait, wait. Are <laughs> do they work for the Kings? So right, explain the brilliance. So the brilliance is if Doug can get it up there. So uh, if the brilliance behind it is it's it looks fucking disgusting. Now the rumor is that it's just pudding. Uh-huh. And you see them going back and forth, and they're they're just eating spoonfuls. Just going to town. Oh, it's on just it. you can't help. But when you and when you're watching it live, so I saw it on Sports Center, seen it all over now. So weird how uh, I yeah. predict. I predicted this trend. We talked about mayonnaise earlier. Remember? This is it's a thing mm. now. I got so, uh, yeah. Somebody gave me shit about it uh, from England, saying like, oh yeah, we eat <laughs> we eat mayonnaise and fries all the time. So no big deal. What's what's brilliant about this is that this is for sure put on by the marketing <laughs> team. Because they they play, look at this girl's pointing at it, and then they just start spooning out mayo back and forth, just spoonfuls of it. Of course, somebody's gonna, of course, they're gonna share that. That's nasty. Yeah, so this thing is gone. Oh, it's gone viral. Everybody's talking about it. It's popped up on SportsCenter. This is ESPN that's showing it right now. So it is gone everywhere, and it's such a brilliant, brilliant. So smart. It's brilliant, right? It's so subtle. The girl's wearing a King's hat. You know, it's at the Sacramento Kings gang. Game so imagine how much publicity that this right. thing just got. It I just mean, shows you how I much love, thought has to go I into love. like viral, you know, videos or, or things that like like certain ideas. They have to be like so carefully constructed. Now I love you. Know, you want, how, much like of, this. how much you want to bet this is going to start a trend? Yeah. It already people is. are going to going to try eating mayonnaise. It's like already try. Look at our forum. What made me remember this was did you know that there's a thread on our forum right now where everyone's talking about mayonnaise and people eating it straightening yeah, because of, the, because of what we this talked. buzz is what's caused that oh, whether the, the person on the forum knows it or not. But like uh, this has gone been going all over the place. And so I'm sure they somebody 
from our forum saw something related to this that prompted them to probably bring up or share something else related to it. But I just love when I see stuff like that in marketing yeah. that I think is just fucking brilliant. That that's was very smart. Brilliant. Brilliant. Yeah, I mean, yeah. they literally have millions of eyes on them in the last two days when they were struggling with people probably watching them. What's the mayonnaise eating? What's the grossest thing that you that you guys will eat that you think people will be like, oh, do you guys have anything like that? I mean. I'll eat a whole cube of butter. Oh, yeah. damn, you took mine. Will you uh, really? Yeah, me too. Like Easy. straight eat a cube? I'll, I'll, oh, I'll, yeah. I'll, no problem. I'll bite right into a, a, yeah. a block of butter. No problem. When I was a kid, I used to get in trouble for that. Or a whole block of cheese. Yeah, no cheese, problem. of course. Yeah. But I used to get in trouble for that. So my mom would go in the, gro- in the, in the fridge, open the fridge, and there'd be like a bite chunk out of the, the, the bar yeah. of butter. And she'd know it was me. I was a little kid. <laughs> and I'd get in big old trouble for it. But I still, like ghee, you know ghee? I'll eat tablespoon of ghee by itself. Love Ugh. it. Love mm-hmm. ghee. It's no. all caramely and delicious. T- I don't know if I have any weird eating habits like that. Hmm. I'm trying to think of what I, what I would you do. You have a very uh, infantile palate, so I don't know. Like, <laughs> I don't mean that. In- <laughs> Listen to this guy. <laughs> you know what I mean? You like, you like sweet. I've and, never uh, been insulted like that. Before. I know, right? I, like, I don't know how to take that. Yeah, uh, right. I was like, I was, but initially I was just going to fire back and say something really mean, right. but I Listen, thought like, yeah. is that really that much yeah. of an insult? I don't no, know. No, it's, you know what I mean? You <laughs> like, All you eat is pre-chewed food. You threw a curveball at me right there. Yeah. No, you like, you like sweet, like tasty things and everything's gross to you and you <laughs> everything's know? gross. Well, you know what I mean? Like I, I, my dad had sardines when he was a kid or when I was a kid. And so I never liked the smell of them and just the texture's gross and slimy to me. So that never appealed to me. Um, and then anchovies, same thing I felt about them. But there's not a lot There's not a lot of foods that I'm disgusted in or I don't it's like. It's true. I'll, you like shellfish I'll, and all yeah, that stuff. Oh, yeah. I'll, I'll, eat, I'll eat a lot of stuff. Do you like stuff. like liver? Like chicken liver? Um, I don't beef liver? crave it, but I would eat it if it's cooked right, prepared right. Mm-hmm. You know, I wouldn't just eat it, eat it like plain. But like, you are, you are, uh, you do have a like sensitive palate, I guess would be the right word, right? Where you're like, uh, you know what? This was actually the, one of the litmus tests for Organifi when we had them is... We had to like the ingredients, and you know, you were, you were the probably, one. That, okay, yeah. So I'm probably the most snobby about. Our that's pro- maybe that's right, right? Yeah, right. I'm probably the most snobby out of <laughs> us. Yeah. Palate. <laughs> you have the palate of a child. Like you can only handle Gerber. Yeah, I was yeah. like, yeah. I don't know how to take this. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just looking down at you, like, hmm. Yeah, baby no, I, carrots with my, and with my monocle, you know. You know, yeah. I remember when we when we started. Ta- I mean, we just got a bunch. We we always get stuff sh- sent to us, right? And so we don't always share it if we don't care for it very much, or it's not a product we pick up. But yeah, Organifi was one of the. I remember when they first sent over stuff for us to try. You know, uh, that to me is the first thing because here's the thing, like. And and I and I and I support Sal when he talks about like it's it's got to be he's the type of person who will if it tastes like shit if it's good for me I'll I'll stomach and put it down but I'm not the average person at right. all right and I yeah. and I and I recognize we're running a business here so that's that is something that you're not the norm and so right. for me it's like when I taste something it's got to taste good and then if it's if it's really healthy for us too like that's a win like okay sure. cool it has to have both and that was like Organifi Organifi was definitely one of those brands well, where the gold juice you won't even shut up about that, that well, I mean that. And that legit tastes, dude. It tastes so good. Yes, all of the, Courtney all, and I drink that like on a regular. If I'm being honest, that what I use, what product I use the least of theirs is probably the protein powder, the the green, the red, and the orange juice I use on a very, and then the probiotic. Those those things I use on a pretty regular basis. So you mean the gold juice, red, green, and gold. 
What did I say? Did you orange. Say pink? Orange. Oh, well, it's, orange. It's like, it's like yeah, it's orange. got a kind of. A, it's, <laughs> it's, got, it's a tumor. It's more of an orange color to me. I know they call it their gold juice, but yeah. it's a little. Or, it's yeah. an orange color it's to like, me. It's like golden orangish. But yeah, color. No, so I'm. I guess we could it's call like me the hue. the flavor like snob. Out the of fla- yeah. <laughs> flavor snob. That sounds like another podcast. <laughs> we could start. We could start. That does. Yeah. Anyway, so um, dude, I have I have a little bit of. Like more things we've predicted that are actually happening. Oh, do you? Yeah. So bring it. I know that we've talked a bit about this whole what's going to happen with uh, robots and, and <laughs> you know, and like banging them and all that kind of stuff. Right. And uh, so there's actually like brothels that are popping up all over the place oh. in Europe that um, are getting a lot of backlash because. You know, inevitably, there's rape fantasies. There's all these types of things that are yep. already starting to happen yep. with uh, robots. These, these bang dolls. What? It's these real dolls? Of course, real the real dolls and yeah, and some of the robots. I, I will say it right here, right now. One of the biggest controversies coming our way is going to be pedophilia with uh, these sex dolls or robots. That 100%. was another thing they brought up. Yep. That's already happening. Guarantee you, that's going to be a major, major uh, controversy and debate because. The argument's going to be, well, it's not they're not hurting anybody. Mm-hmm. And the other argument's going to be like, that's terrible and disgusting. And then well, who cares what people do? And they're uh, just going to go back and forth. And I literally do. Like, I happen. saw that in the news. And I was like, I don't know if it was in France or Germany, but it was it was definitely, they're already trying to figure out how to, you know, put laws in place for these types of things that are already happening. And if it is like a moral concern or not, like they're trying to figure it out. You well, know, I, I think I think it's not that hard to to regulate this even though i know we're not pro regulating but i think as a sex toy company you shouldn't be making children sex toys that would be really fucking inappropriate uh, yeah so i think for on their on their end but as far as you know as long as the the doll is like a 20 year old above <laughs> looking mm. i i don't see anything wrong with that and i think that's the only i think that's the way that you restrict it is you you hold the the standard to the companies that are making it it's like well, can, well, here's the way I look at it. As far as laws are concerned, if you're not hurting another human or stealing from another human, uh, you know, live human or whatever, then I don't think there should be laws against it. Now, that doesn't mean that I think it's okay or cool or whatever. I definitely think that people should, and they do have the right, to boycott and put social pressure. So if there's a brothel that's doing these types of things and nobody's getting hurt, should we pass a law? No, because it's immoral to take people and fine or jail them for doing nothing to nobody but themselves. So that it's you can't solve that problem. The with irony of doing something like that, though, I would wonder. Like, so if your desired outcome, if you're if you're protesting these these brothels, right? So if that's if you're you're saying, okay, listen, we shouldn't put any sort of regulation on it, but we obviously should encourage or allow people to stand out, pick it, or do whatever. Which is it's it's I mean that's that's all non-violent. Right. Yeah, but the right. irony in that is what the people that see them that see wrong with that and that are out there picketing <laughs> the it. Image, it's going to give it more publicity and more more mm-hmm. people are going to know about mm-hmm. it, which in turn will probably just drive more people getting involved in it. So we that- are we are entering into a time where you know what do they call it moral relativism, where more and more we are going to be testing our moral fabric. Um, and the way we're going to test it is, Hey, if it doesn't hurt anybody, then who cares? And what's the big deal? And, mm. and 
you know, we're going to have to ask these these tough questions. I don't think you should legislate morality. It doesn't work. never has worked. Mm-hmm. causes more problems. And to be honest with you, I don't want to... Separation wanna, of church and state. Yeah, that's why it's important. I don't want to put in charge... I, I never want to put anybody in charge who decides what they can legislate in terms of morality because we know where that goes, right? Mm-hmm. But I think socially, like, you know, it's unacceptable socially. Be open. Put some pressure. Like... If I see somebody doing some shit that I think is not cool or immoral, um, again, don't though, get mad at me for saying again, something. Again, though, will, will the pressure and the protesting, uh, will will it only backfire? I mean, let, if this is something that a lot of people wouldn't even know about it if, if Justin didn't say something or mention it. Now people, you, you, yeah. for sure, there's a percentage of people now go research it and look at it. Now there's a percentage of those people that will probably right. actually do it right right right. so you know if there's this small group of people that so i'm are, perpetuating the problem is that well, what you're saying well that's yeah. no my, my my point is just to to play devil's advocate with sal because sal's saying like well you know we don't regulate it let's just allow it to happen but then i believe that people should be allowed to protest it and whatever because that's free freedom of speech mm-hmm. but what i'm saying is like well the people that are protesting it if their desired outcome is to get it shut down and regulate it and not to happen protesting is actually probably not the best route of doing that because all it's really going to do right you're Bringing up uh, its relevance and right, yeah, you're, it's you're how bringing I bringing eye, more eyes to it. It's how sense. I feel about violence. And we put all this stuff on the news all the time, and we talk about all this violence and racism and things like that. Well, the more we talk about it on the news, it, the, it's not helping the cause. Yeah, it's the same with terrorism. People, and, and, and people like to tell this, talk about this yeah. bullshit awareness thing. Like, oh, it's you no, know, it's better for us because we're we're making more people aware of it. Are is it yeah. really? Well, sometimes sometimes it's better, but you know, you're right. It doesn't guarantee something's going to stop. Like, for example. When you have uh, like a, a, if you have a company that um, says, you know, we don't want to serve uh, our, our, we don't want to make a, a wedding cake for a gay wedding. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, my argument is, well, it's their business. They should be able to be assholes if they want to. There, uh, there shouldn't be a law that says you can't be an asshole. If you want to mm-hmm. be an asshole, be an asshole. However, I definitely think people should protest, boycott. And, and and bring it to light, right. but like, what that will, they'll lose a lot of business. You they know, will, but but what will also that's happen? Their right to do that. What will also happen is you'll get all the other people, anti-gay people, who will go over and just try to support them, right, and try to give them money. Yeah. The way I look at it is this: it's a war of ideas. Hmm. Okay, a war of ideas doesn't involve violence unless somebody you're defending yourself and defending your property shouldn't involve violence. If you believe in your ideas enough, then they should win. But here's the real moral argument. Here's the real Thing that we need to worry about because at the end of the day, all you can all you can really worry about is yourself. All you can really change is yourself. If you know what's that saying, you want you know be the change you want in the world, right? All you can do is worry about yourself. So, if I speak out about someone, it's not necessarily only because I want that business shut down. <clears throat> because if I just wanted it to be shut down, I could go lobby the government, and I'm sure if I got enough people. We could get the government to do pretty much anything we want, whatever, in, you know, to infringe on liberties and all that stuff. Really, the reason why I'm speaking out is my own, because it's my own moral imperative. I feel it's wrong, and if I don't speak out or if I don't do anything against it, then and I know it's happening and it's there, I feel like I'm actually part of it. Um, and, and, and this is true throughout all of history, you know? Yeah, but that's where I would argue the other side. Like, you not saying anything is probably more powerful in that sense. It, I, I don't know. I mean, that's that's self-serving, self-serving for you because you have a problem with it morally. And so you want to stand up and you want to say something. But if you think about your real desired outcome is less people to do it, I think that and especially if you're also pro that you can't that 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 won't stop them. You're just hoping that you're going to hurt their business. But in in reality, you're actually giving their business more more attention, more 
damage has been done worldwide. More terrible things have happened worldwide, not because people didn't say anything, but because people, uh, not because people said something, but because people didn't say anything. Way more uh, uh, death, destruction, discrimination, horrible, horrible acts. If you look at all these terrible acts, I'm sure there was one or two drivers, but really the main problem was all these fucking people didn't say something. And so I don't think that the problem is people speaking out. Uh, I think the problem is, and yes, are there people that speak out just to hear their own voice and to feel like they're important? Of course, social media is full of it. But people who really care and really do something, you know, for the most part, I think that's a better way. Uh, it's a better way to be, and it and it and it puts brings things out to light and opens up the debate. Let's have this actual real discussion rather than ignoring. You know, stuff's not. Yeah, happening. but again, if you if we have this debate and lots and lots of people start going like, oh my god, yeah, I totally disagree with that. Shame, sh- and we shame this company like crazy. Would that get your desired outcome? What is, you have to understand? What is that? Is it just to vote, vo- uh, voice your opinion? Because you don't you don't see it's morally like what are you serving there? Are you really serving the cause? Because what's going to end up happening is more people know about it. If let's say the three of us didn't know each other and we saw this cause, we're all anti it. This this now makes me go, oh my god! I speak out on it. We all go to on our Instagram. We all do an image post. We write a long post about how morally wrong this is. I can't believe that. Sure. Now between the three of us, we've now introduced it to you know eighty thousand more people that may have not seen it. Sure. Uh, maybe is that, a, is that a good thing? Maybe I think thing? I think more often than not, though, I would put my money on the fact that if, in fact, you do make a good case and you do make a good argument and you do have the maybe right idea, I think more often than not you will succeed. More often than not, and history hmm. has has proven that. History's proven that over and over and time and time again. I think sometimes people think that they're going to get something to change, and in fact, it backfires. But I think well, I, I think, think for, I, I think, think for the I, most maybe part, maybe it's it like what actually sticks. That's would right. Be, would be I don't a know. I think I think using history as an example measure. is not a, a good example. That's the it's, best example we have. But it, sure, but I don't think it's a good one for this. I think that we're we're heading into a time that is completely different. We didn't have the we didn't have the ability to post something. on Do social- you think it will be? Do you think it will be socially acceptable, honestly, for people to go have sex with you know dolls that look like children? At some point, do you think that will be morally acceptable? No, my, my, I, I think it's so morally my, unacceptable. My, my argument is that we, you potentially put that regulation on the company that they're not allowed to do that. You're not allowed to make a doll that's under the age of 18. That should be a law. If our laws are already in place that a, a, an adult can't what have sex with a minor, if you're law? a sex sex company, you can't. Yeah, well, that's that. If the company so that's is, the question. What happens if they break the law? So then they would they either be shut down or they get fined. Like right. Un- so what you're what you're advocating for, and this is why it's as important. It's a great discussion. It's a very important discussion. What you're advocating for is violence and force against someone that committed no violence and no force. So if they make some, if they make a doll. They're not hurting anybody. It's a. It's a. It's I'm a, not arguing necessarily that I would say that they get violence or force, is because I don't. I don't see well, what, a, a well, fine or saying that you can't do that. I'm arguing that it would be more effective than the way you think it's going to be. It, I mean, as much as I'm a free market, be, free speech guy, and I'm right along with you with a lot of libertarian views, this is an area that is going to be really challenging for these libertarian type views because now you're fucking with something it, that we've it, never messed with before could, and there is no history to debate this over. It could it could be, but here's the thing. How many moral things or immoral things happen today that you think are should be stopped? How many of those would you put laws on? Like, why don't we have laws saying, because they, they used to be on the books. It is It was illegal for you to uh, to commit adultery. 
it is, you know, it, it was, a, it's illegal in many, most places for prostitution. It's illegal in, you know, in most places to take certain drugs or do certain things. Like that is a, that's the problem. It's like the freedom of, it's like free speech. Like free speech is absolute. It, you can't have these kinds of exceptions because that is a slippery slope. And let me ask you this. Who determines this morality? Do you really trust bureaucrats to determine what's moral and what not? And mm. how and, and what and what if somebody goes in power? Like that's never It's a tough space, but I mean very talking about it, it's it's like I have opinions, you know, yes. and I have I have a fabric that I and a code that I operate under. And so if I have a problem with it, it's gonna like I can't not say something. You right. know, if somebody's gonna ask me about it, I'm gonna say something. Is it going to be a desired outcome? That's a good point. I don't know. You know, That's like right. it's, it, 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 it turns into sort of like a spinning your wheels kind of a thing. I, I already know the arguments that are going to happen. I guarantee it. I can tell you right now what will happen is they'll show some study that shows that, hey, if we let people do this with these types of you oh, know, robots. dolls, it'll decrease it in decreases. society. Yes. Mm. And they're going to come out with all these different arguments and whatever and it, trying to get a law for or against it. It's going to be interesting. It'll be very interesting. But- Socially speaking, I think it's so socially unacceptable, thank God, thank goodness, that, I mean, it's so socially unacceptable that it, among the worst of society, the criminals and the rapists and the murderers, if you go to jail and you mess with a kid, you're dead. Mm -hmm. Like you're ruined, you're fucked. Yeah, even within that realm. It, within that realm of people who do some terrible, right. terrible, terrible shit. Yeah, that's they they won't <coughs> touch that. Well, do you area. believe that we should be able to, like, so we have the technology to, I mean, all the way to make the most destructive guns out there. Do you think it should? we should be allowed to purchase guns that could destroy a city? Do, that people shouldn't yes. have a gun? Well, how's that different? Yeah, that's it's your... A com it's a company who's producing weapons. Right now, we allow you only to use certain types of weapons. Why don't we just let everybody have that's nukes? A, that's, a, that's a very, very, very good question now, uh, and that's been argued so much in the Supreme Court. You know, the Constitution says that the people should be a well-armed militia, so the argument's been made, well, people should have the ability to have the same arms as the military, um, but, and then of course on the other side of that, we is, know that's not true. Yeah. On the other side of that is like insanity. Now, is that an equal, is that an equal argument? Maybe on a moral one, but on a pragmatic one, I, I doubt it. I think if it's you, different, but it's very similar. Uh, it can be, but also very different. Like if you, if you owned a nuke and you messed up, you, you know, you kill everybody. Um, how would you store it? How would you dispose of it? How would you maintain it? I mean, Yes, that we can have that moral conversation. Yeah, but, but you can't take one argument that you were just using for the doll thing, and you can't now change it just because it's guns. I mean, you got to stay with that same theory that it should be completely legal and fine for an arms dealer that to be able to make whatever weapons they want and sell to the public, I, and it should I, be, I, I, and we should be allowed to picket it and say no, it's not okay, and hope that we stop it. Well, I don't see. Like the, I said, I think the, I think uh, at the end of the day, the only laws that are even look here's the deal: in the future, the only laws that are going to exist are going to be ones that protect you your body and your property mainly because i don't even know how you would even regulate that in the future anyway how are you gonna relate how are you gonna regulate the dolls that's you, okay again this is why this is so interesting is that's yeah. why i don't like you using history as an example to try and prove your point is we are moving in a time that the new rules are gonna the playing field is fucking different bro no matter how you spin it and that this is you can 3d print everything right too. We, no we it actually up. it actually still applies because Again, uh, is legislating something like that in the future? Good luck, even if you ha even if you could, good luck with that. And should you legislate something that is causing is not is not hurting anybody? It's a, it's going to be a very interesting, controversial argument. 
I, I have no idea where it's going to go. I, I'm pretty sure if I had to bet money that they're going to pass laws banning it 100%. I'm pretty sure there's going to be laws that say you can't make these kind of dolls. Right. But I don't know, man. Yeah, I don't know where I stand on it. I mean, I'm just I'm playing devil's advocate with you right now because I've I've already thought about this discussion and it's oh, it's, dude, a, it's, it's get, a very it's challenging crazy. Oh man, yeah. It's a, it's a very challenging one as far as like what what do I think is the right thing for dude, us to do? It's going to get crazy, bro. It's going to get crazy to where you know, people are going to I I I guarantee you there's going to be robots that you're going to go into a game or like a big building and you go hunt the robot and kill, kill it or you know right yeah are you it's kidding just me just like Westworld do yes it's gonna be terrible that's yeah. why I love that show I by love the way that isn't, that come, isn't that starting yeah, there's back a new season coming it's, I, think I think it's like yeah. next week it starts up uh, yeah. can't wait for that show yeah, I love yeah. that show but, it, but yeah it's gonna be interesting man it's gonna be really interesting in the future to see what happens uh, West, West quite World. the conundrum right here we come hey I saw you got your green chef box yesterday yes uh, I had uh, another one dude I love you know what I like most about it? Besides the food's really good, good quality, you know, mostly organic, all that stuff. It's just so fun to do with your significant other. That's what like, you said last time. I- it takes about, so the, the one we made the other night took us uh, 40 minutes. So you have all the ingredients prepped for you. It was, it was sausage and vegetables and um, they include like seasoning, which there are a few things in there that they don't tell you like the exact measurements and I think probably to protect their recipes because the uh, recipes are really fucking Well, then good. you can be kind of creative too to your own palate. Right? Yeah, so uh, everything's out there for you. So we're just preparing it and we had a little bit of wine. I don't know if it. I like you sharing this. You know, you shared this on the podcast already and, you know, fucking Katrina, she served me last time. I didn't actually have to cook it with her. So, but she definitely listens to the podcast really? and was giving me shit. Like, dude, what the oh, fuck? Because you weren't involved? Yeah, because I wasn't involved. I'm upstairs. Your watching, boy's throwing you under the bus again. Right, I'm watching basketball. Yeah. Up comes my green chef. You know, Katrina serves it to me. So that she goes, you know, it'd be nice if you uh, cooked in the kitchen with me like, Sal, like Sal's girl does. And I'm just like, dude, oh, let me God. tell you something. You'll Way have, to go, Sal. You'll have great sex. I promise. You'll have great. It's well, I don't so know. Nice. This might be one of those tips like you gave with reading with your significant other, right? This is another hack, dude. dude it's when you're, it's, you know what it is? It's when you're making something with someone, and it doesn't have to be cooking. Like you could like build something together. Because I've done a couple things like, like that with Jessica. You're just making yeah. something together. It you feel uh, I don't know. It's a fucking. It's really fun. Anyway, so what I'm going to do with my next uh, Green Chef box is I'm going to do it with my kids because mm. all the ingredients are cut and everything. So they can, you know, they can learn how to cook. Yeah, yeah dude. Actually, how fun yeah, do you think you that would be process. with the kids, right? No, right. no, that's a smart idea. Won't that be a blast? Right, right. Yeah, so. I had a few people that uh, tried it, but they're like, oh, man, it's so expensive. And that always makes me laugh when people are like, it's so expensive. It's like, well, yeah, no shit. Like, it, everything in it, it's healthy and organic. Like, and it, they do all the work for you. Like, are, are we, we going to account for all that stuff? Are we, yeah, are we, yeah, are we comparing this to fucking Lunchables? Is that what we're <laughs> like, Yeah, no shit. It's more expensive. Yeah. It costs less than going out to dinner for sure. Yeah. That costs more. Dude, and the food's you get like a three dollar taco, right? Everybody, if everybody should know by now. Like we, when we, I'll tell you right now, when we do decide products or companies that we, we go work with, with, we go for quality. Yes, yeah. price is not, We're not trying to be cheap. Sorry, not sorry. Yeah, you know, like yeah, that, that's where we can actually stand behind it and actually put our stamp on. Right. It, so. And when you actually look at it, when you break it down, like a lot of people don't it's realize, not bad, it's dude. not at all. No. That's it's like the. I remember the first time I got that about Thrive too. I'm like, are you kidding me? Like when you do the math on it, it's cheaper than everywhere mm-hmm. else. It's that's not it. as expensive as if you eat out. It's because we've been conditioned to, to be to for cheap 
for food. Oh, like we've oh. been conditioned. If the you worst eat out idea ever. one time a day, which I would argue most people do, most people eat out one, at least four days a week. Right, mm-hmm. at least right. Eat out that much. It's it's cheaper than that. Yep. Yeah. So now do that. It's healthy. You cook it with like oils and everything under your control. Mm-hmm. You know, because you go out and you eat. It's like you don't even really know how they prepare it. Mm-hmm. So this is a great alternative to that. Right, and right. and if you're hey, look, if you're a guy, I'm telling you right now, I promise you, this is the this is a fucking hack. If there's a girl you're going out with or you just met, invite I'm her over. To get you laid. Invite her over for a green chef night. You got the box. You open it up and you just cook together and you don't look like an asshole because you don't know what you're doing because it's all right there for you. Right, right. Man. Cool little picture and everything comes with it. <laughs> this quaz brought to you by Organifi. For those days you fall short on getting your organic veggies or whole food nutrition, Organifi fills the gap with laboratory-tested certified organic superfoods to help give your health and performance the added edge. Try Organifi totally risk-free for 60 days by going to Organifi.com. That's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com. And use the coupon code MINDPUMP for 20% off at checkout. All right, our first question is from Phoebes Cray K. How do you improve strength to rate weight ratio? I set a goal over a year ago of 10 pull-ups, but could only do four at the time. A year has passed and I'm about five to seven kilograms heavier and it can still manage only four despite all my lifts increasing. Do I need to change or adapt my training to improve this? So this is maps anywhere. Right yeah, you, you, yeah, you probably got heavier. Um, that's probably why your lifts uh, got. Yeah, see, it is. Yeah. I am about five. To, so your strength to weight ratio didn't change because you got heavier. So one of the easiest ways to, and I know I experienced this back in the day when I would do the the bulk and cut. Like when yeah. I would go, I'd get my body weight up to like two twenty, and then I'd drop it down and get down to one ninety. And of course, when I was down to one ninety, I always be able to do way more pull ups. Right, and it's because my weight went down. So Strength to weight ratio refers to your ability to maneuver or handle your own body weight. This favors smaller people with a smaller stature. Right. Mm-hmm. So people who tend to be shorter or leaner tend to have more strength to weight ratio just because they have less weight to, to move. Which They're makes more it wiry. Kind of, it makes it kind of a conflicting goal if you're all, you're also trying to gain. That's right. Like yeah. those are kind of conflicting yeah. goals or adaptations that you're focusing on. Like, so if you really cared about strength to weight ratio and that was like your primary goal, I would say you follow a program like Maps Anywhere and you lean out. You lean out and you follow a, pro, a body weight type of a program, you're going to see incredible strength to weight ratio happen. Yeah, you'd focus more on tension moves and like really focusing on your central nervous system and like how to increase strength in that direction versus like loaded situations. Right, so. and you're definitely not trying to gain weight. So if you're gaining weight, which even if it's all good weight, doesn't matter. You're not. Your goal isn't really to gain weight. Your goal is to increase your strength to weight ratio, which it would be advantageous to l- reduce your body fat or lean out while you're training a lot of body weight type of movements otherwise where where you see you're at where you see you at with the numbers that you're you, you post. I, I would be very proud of that right yeah that's because yeah. that's, that's, that's 10 to, that's about 10 to 15 pounds or 16 pounds if i gained 16 pounds and i was able to do the same amount of pull-ups yeah i would be very happy right i take that same person like literally let's, let's say this person said okay now follow maps anywhere and lean out lose 10 to 15 pounds I guarantee their reps on their pull-ups yeah, would be insane. At least three more or something like yeah. that. Oh, insane! Right. Oh, yeah. I would I would think it would go up even more than that. Yeah. I mean, because you're you've that's a lot of weight, five to seven kilograms. You're talking about a fifteen pound 
plus difference that this person's are of yep. t- twelve to fifteen pounds. And you're difference. matching what you did previously. And you're more so. than matching. They started at four and now they're up to ten pull ups. They've more yeah. than doubled. No, 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 no. The goal no, no, no. is ten. Yeah. They can oh, still I thought he said four. he's got to ten already. Yeah, yeah, no, oh, the yeah. goal oh, so he ten. stayed the same yeah, so four and, and four. he's at okay, okay. Yeah. So he's, so he's like, still he's in, I mean he's definitely gotten stronger. So you know, here's a good example. We uh we had Robert Oberst down and we were hanging out with him. He's a world's strongest man competitor. Massive human being, six foot eight, three hundred and seventy five pounds. Stupid strong. He like, dwarfs us all. Ridiculous strong. Like, you know, my best squat ever in my entire life was close to 500 pounds. He squatted over 900 pounds, so just way stronger at every lift. But I bet you in pull-ups I could compete with him. I might even probably, I might even be able to beat him. Now, am I stronger than Robert Oberst? No. I'm just way lighter. You know what I mean? He's 375. I weigh 186 pounds. So my strength to weight ratio on that particular lift may be better. Does that make me... A stronger individual? No, not really. Strength to weight ratio is cool though for certain things. Like if you're obstacle course racing, you want that. You want a really good strength to weight ratio. Are you in a weight class? Do you compete in a weight class like wrestling or boxing or something like that? Well, yeah, then strength to weight ratio makes a big difference because now you're in a weight class and you're way stronger at your weight than your competitors. Is a strength to weight ratio important when you play a sport like football, where they don't give a shit how much you weigh. Not nearly as much. In fact, having a better strength-to-weight ratio might not be a good thing when you're a lineman, where you just want to be fucking strong and heavy. No, a sport that would matter would be like wrestling. That would matter way Yeah, because of the weight classes, right? Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. So now here's a good tip. If you, tr- if you are trying to increase your reps on something, here's a very, very easy tip. Do a little bit of that movement every day. So what I mean by that is this particular person can only do four reps in the pull-up. I'm assuming it's four reps max. Like that's the most they could do, so it's four reps to failure. Mm -hmm. So here's what I recommend. Several times a day, go do one or two pull-ups on a pull-up bar. That's it. Don't do anything hard. Just go do one pull-up, practice it, come down. Do that like three, four times a day. Just hone in on that signal. Yep, do it every single day. And then after a few weeks, match that same intensity. So, so, So what I mean by that is if you could do four max, you know what the intensity feels like to do one. So just practice one. When that intensity to just do one all of a sudden feels easier, like, whoa, that feels a lot easier, increase it to two. And then when that becomes easy like it was for you originally when you did one, now increase it to three. And little by little, you'll get to the point where you're doing four pull-ups several times a day, and it's no longer to failure. It's four easy pull-ups. And this is a technique I've used many times on many, many lifts. You know, I've gotten my deadlift uh, to improve doing this. I've gotten my bench press to improve doing this. I've gotten stronger in you know whatever lift I decided I wanted to do. I would take a really kind of lightweight that I could kind of feel, but that was easy. I'd set it aside, and I, of course I work in a gym, so that made it a lot easier. You know who else has really good strength to weight ratio? Rock climbers, huge dude, huge. Yeah, it's just the the amount of freak. It's the frequency, right? It's oh, yeah. constantly contracting, and it's just like all your your entire body is involved, dude. And I, your grip is ridiculous. I think. Mike Salemi is one of the strongest. Oh, yeah, he's to weight. Great insane. Example. I don't I, like off the top of my head. I don't strength know. Strength to weight. Yes, insane. strength to weight. Because he's like what one fifty something. One sixty maybe. Yeah, one sixty. He weighs, but that guy's fucking squatted like four or five hundred pounds oh, easily. He's, he's a strong. He's stronger than all of us. Right. And yeah. he's like half our size. We well, outweigh him, I mean, yeah. And the technique, like he's mastered because of the practice. Yes. Right. And so that's that's such a humongous factor. Even when you look at any Olympian, it's like the reason why they're the best is because they do it so frequently. Yeah. There's, all something, these there's something to be said about having a good strength to weight ratio as it applies to everyday life. 
Is it is it good to just have a lot of strength? Yeah, there's some benefit to that, but strength to weight ratio about when you go about your day, like you know, you're just your everyday stuff. Oh, for overall way more, for overall health, it's way uh, more. It's way more. Do you guys practical. notice a difference when you have that when yeah. it's really good? Mm-hmm. I mean, no. it's incredible. I move, the way I move, the way I do things. It's like, holy shit, man! I feel so good because I'm really strong for my body weight. And then there's been other times when I was way stronger, but I was also way heavier. Yeah. And then you just feel like you're a big mountain. Dude, I, I remember this vividly when I was training for football. And like you said, like weight was kind of like one of those things, you, they want you to get uh, heavier because they, they feel like, well, your performance is going to go up because people you're facing a lot of times are, are a lot bigger than you and they're, they're more powerful because they're like throwing their mass at you. Uh, so I did, I went and I, over the summer bulked up and I gained, you know, like 20 pounds, came back, movement sucked, you know, responsiveness sucked. And I was actually, you know, flat on my heels to where I like, they would beat me off of the first step. So to me, it was at a disadvantage. So mm-hmm. the next season, I cut back down, got into a better strength to weight ratio and did way better, like, like phenomenally better. Yeah. Yeah. No body weight training is great for this. I mean, Adam already mentioned maps anywhere. Maps Anywhere is designed without any equipment at all, and it's probably one of the best, definitely the best program we have for improving strength ratio, I would say. so. Next up is Clubinator. What are signs that your body would benefit from increasing calories? Oh, that's a really good question. It is. You know what's this? So this, there was an article I was going to bring up earlier. This is a great segue into it, and it's perfect for this. So uh, I've just read an article, more science coming out showing that reducing caloric intake. So they took a bunch of people and they reduced their caloric intake by 15% and they they tracked them for two years, so for a while, and they all showed signs of reduced or slower aging. All the things that we can measure at least in hmm. terms of aging. Oh, yeah. wow. That's interesting. Now, we've, we've known this in animals for a long time. Like uh-huh. We know if we take a mouse, we take mice and we feed some you know, 20% less calories that they'll actually increase- Live longer? Like significantly yeah. longer, like 30% longer. Yeah. Um, and this is true for, for most animals, and it looks like it's true for humans as well. So here's what's interesting about hmm. this, right? On the one hand, there's that, that we know if you can get by with eating less and your body can adapt to that, probably good for longevity. But then here's the flip side of that. In the context of modern lifestyle you probably will want a metabolism that's burning faster or hotter because the reality is you're so exposed to food all the time. Well, this goes to, this is where the explosion of IIFYM has happened in our generation is this, it uh, allows this flexibility of uh, of you eating other types of foods because that's where you're going with this, right? Is that, you know, you live in this modern era, let's be realistic, like it would not be advantageous to having a low um, you know, calorie maintenance, and then occasionally having a fucking whole pizza every now That's and then, right. or because right, now it, they, the 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 benefits are gone. You get now more detriment from the fact that you have a slow metabolism than you were benefit because. And and we're talking we're key we're you know when I'm talking about this I'm talking within healthy parameters. There's are there are situations where metabolism gets really slow, like you know like if you starve yourself or anorexic or. If you overtrain, overwork yourself, you get hormone imbalances and all that stuff. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the healthy range. You know, if you can get your metabolism to slow down within the healthy range, longevity-wise, that's better. But in the context of modern life, unless you're like super regimented about it and that's just how you live, 
it's probably better to have a faster metabolism. Otherwise, you gain body fat and then you get all the. You know, I the think negative. there's a, I think there's a, a sweet spot for everybody, and I think we're all uniquely different, right? Like I, I I've been on both ends of the spectrum right now in just the last two years. So right now, being injured, not moving around, like I'm only eating once, maybe twice a day right now, which we all know that's crazy for me. I'm the one who argued yeah. always eating five, six times a day because I needed to hit that caloric intake. Now, the, the motherfucker of this is I'm back into training and my now I'm starting to put on a little bit of muscle. Your I, appetite starting to go up? A little bit, mm. you know, I'm starting to eat a little bit more, but I'm also having a hard time uh, losing body fat. Like I normally normally body fat kind of melts off me. Now I have a lot of things going on with me hormonally and stuff like that that I'm sure play a factor in this. But man, I'm I'm consuming very, very little in comparison. Now I know when. I was doing shows consistently and, and training like that and eating five, six times a day and having my caloric intake four or 5,000 calories. Man, when I made an adjustment on my diet or did something where I just reduced, boy, my body would just respond. Mm. And so it's less responsive to these changes that I do by adding movement or exercise or reducing like maybe some foods that are not ideal in my diet. My body isn't responding as fast because I don't have this kind of roaring metabolism that I've had in the past. So, you know, I definitely think there's uh, drawbacks to both sides of that, right? So I think, and then also having it so high to where I become dependent on four or 5,000 calories, it would also make it really tough for me to hang on to all that muscle mm -hmm. mass because I'd have to be eating that much. So mm. I do believe that everybody has kind of a very natural kind of homeostasis yeah. that you find and any, stressing yourself too much, too high all the time and either too low or too high is not I think what ideal. The, I think the other side of this too is a lot of people do the reverse dieting thing because they want to eat more food, not because necessarily they're they're they need to uh, yeah, you know metabolic damage. Yeah, they have metabolic damage. So like like our friend Lane, he just did a post where uh, I guess his girlfriend Holly is is it's, I guess the post said she finally agreed to reverse diet, and he's talking about how the, with the amount of muscle hat she has, the amount of activity she does. She should be able to consume about 1,800 to 1,900 calories without gaining weight. Minimum. But instead, she's consuming about 15 or 1,600. That's all Holly eats? That's what it says. Wow. And, Holy shit. And he says he thinks you know he wants to reverse diet her to get her calorie intake up. And I read that and I said, okay, I could see why because then she could eat more of this and that. But was she unhealthy at the 15, 1,600? If you had to pick purely on health, just purely for health and longevity, not lifestyle or anything else... Would it be healthier for your body to be adapted and function and perform at lower calories than at higher calories? Let's say everything, if everything was equal, would it be healthier to be able to consume less calories and more calories? The answer is probably yes. Probably yes, just from all the, the current research that we have. But again, with the context of modern life, it's you it, having that cushion allows you to go yeah. on vacation. Have more flexibility. Enjoy, your, enjoy yourself, do certain things. And so unless you're like this, nutrition monk uh and I, I you know i don't want to call it i don't want to be too jokeful <clears throat> about it because i can kind of be like that sometimes and I, it's not like i'm trying to be super strict it's just the way i tend to be if that's how you want to be then then that's okay but <clears throat> the the question yeah, we I shouldn't have, go ahead. i usually just flux it off of the activity levels and like you know where i'm currently at and my training as far as like what my body like intuitively is sort of uh, i mean <coughs> You tend to crave, you, you want to d decipher between cravings and what your body actually needs, of course, because mm -hmm. you can get tricked by that, you know, for sure. Like your body's telling me, oh, you know, I think it's time for me to start ramping up my calories. You know, yeah. <laughs> like really is, are you putting the work in for that? And, um, you know, and I understand like the angle you guys are going as far as like reverse dieting and like somebody in that sort of space. 
but you know just for it like an increase of calories like just to to keep it kind of a, a, on a simple um you know thought process with that it was really like you know where where am i at as far as like my output and my work mm-hmm. well i yeah this that's and the other side to this question is, you know, okay, we're we're talking deeper, like metabolic damage and increasing your your calorie maintenance. Well, how about somebody who's just on a cut, right? You're on your first week of cutting, and you've been, you know, pushing calories lower, lower, lower. Like so, some signs for me personally, like I'm you, you're watching me right now, and if you watched my, I've been posting my workouts, and at the top of the first couple of days, I was letting people know where my weight is. Now I'll do that again so people see, but I actually do not, for me, this is my body type, this is what happens, like when I start to exercise and eat better, I, I tend to lean out faster. Well, I don't want to see my my scale weight change really much right now. I know that I'm exercising now, I'm lifting weights, I wasn't doing that just a, a month and a half ago, and so I know my body's going to start to change, so I don't need. I don't want to see a scale drop. So that's a sign for me that I want to increase my caloric intake if all of a sudden I drop you know, three or four pounds uh, back-to-back days, I know that, oh, I went too low on my mm. calories. I don't need to go that low to elicit change in my body. So I, that's a sign I look for. I also pay attention to when I'm lifting. Like if I've, uh, this is back when I was cutting for shows a lot. When I'd be cutting for a show, if I've done two or three workouts and I can just, I can feel fatigued, I, the, I'm, my strength is decreasing rapidly because I just do not have the gas in the gas tank. That's normally a sign for me that I'm probably stressing or pushing the body too far with how low my calories are. And so then I will bump my calories a little bit. But learning to pay attention to those signals versus what, what Justin's saying, I think is so important because I think a lot of people are like, oh, my stomach is growling. I'm really hungry. Like, yeah. this must mean I need to eat. Like, you know, it's like, no, those aren't the signs. I look more towards my performance. Mm-hmm. To, to give me feedback, and then I look at any sort of dramatic swings, plus or minus. So I know I use the minus, but I'm also watching because could happen. You know, I, I uh, rarely do this, but I could overgauge, overconsuming, and I see a, a big spike on the scale. And you don't want to see either one. Yeah, I would say if you start to feel weak or like really weak and tired, if you start to notice hair loss, uh, if your nails uh, start to weaken. Um, if you start to feel excessively cold or sensitive to to temperature changes, then that might mean that you need to increase your calories uh, a little bit. Next up is where the blazes. Opinions or experience with nerve damage and more specifically spinal nerve damage, the pain, numbness, numbness as a result and potential healing and fitness in spite of it. So uh, to some extent, hmm. you know, the current, accepted uh, medical stance is that nerve damage is irreversible uh, for at a certain point, right? A Real nerve, point, or nerve damage. Yeah, at a certain point, it can't, it doesn't regenerate and then that's it. Now, what I've experienced with clients in this realm is this. If it's not that permanent kind of nerve damage, and I've had plenty of clients come to me and say, you know, I feel numbness in my left arm or my fingertips or my toes or I hurt my back and I feel tingling, uh, or you know, easy one is like sciatica nerve, where I, you know, someone will feel just tremendous pain down their leg or up their back, and they can't even move. Sometimes taking days off of work. There's a, a multi-pronged approach. One is uh, the obvious one. I think at least is obvious is changing and correcting uh, recruitment patterns of the muscles so that there is no more nerve impingement or impingement in whatever area they're feeling it. So 
For sciatica, for example, a real common one would be, I would look at their hip function. They probably had uh, an issue firing their hips. They probably had some internal, external rotating issues uh, at, the, at their femur. In other words, their, their, their legs don't, don't rotate very well. Um, and they probably have tightness in the muscles that kind of cover the sciatica nerve like the piriformis. And so what I would do with that person is I would train them to change their recruitment pattern so they move better. And then I do like deep tissue massage or something or foam rolling on the tight muscles so that we could slowly open up the area where the nerve is so it's not so impinged. Now, once you do that, it takes, still takes a little while because it's like when you hit your elbow or if you ever press on your funny bone, you got that tingling. When you take your, when you take your elbow off, whatever you're pressing, it still takes a couple minutes for that feeling to come back. So it could take some time. And the second thing I do is I address inflammation like big time. You know, I've had, I don't know about you guys, but I've had a lot of clients who just cause they changed their diet mm-hmm. would reduce pain, mm-hmm. chronic pain, nerve pain in their Numb- shoulder and, and neck. numbness, things like that for sure. Just so eye-opening. Yeah. For a lot of my clients that have changed and adjusted their diet like that. And then like, it's just like the inflammation has just disappeared. Oh, it's crazy. There's uh, there's studies now that are showing um, that some of this is uh, that, that diet can make a difference with this. I'll tell you what. Um, you know, we just had uh, Max Lugavir on, and he talked about a study in 2017 examining the diet diet's impact on um, depression, and they found that it was actually, you know, uh, dietetic intervention could make a big difference with inflammation. Or with uh, depression, and that's because of inflammation's role in depression and in the, in the physical, you know, sense where your brain is depressed, and then that makes you feel depressed, and they think that inflammation was a cause of it. And they change their diet and they fix that. Well, inflammation affects your 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 nerves as well, and reducing your your systemic inflammation through avoiding heavily processed foods, avoiding foods you may have intolerances to, healing your gut, um, you know, maybe some intermittent fasting. Um, or maybe some prolonged fasting because that is very anti-inflammatory. Anecdotally speaking, do those do that and then see what happens. It makes a uh, you know huge difference. So uh, very similar to you, um, I've experienced a lot of clients who think they have nerve damage but don't really have nerve damage mm. they, because they have numbness going on or tingly or something like that. There or someone's oh something wrong with your nerves possibly, and so a lot of times it it's that. And it's not like real nerve damage. Now, like you said, like if you've got real nerve damage, nothing I could I could be the greatest trainer in the world. I'm not going to potentially yeah, fix. Yeah, we can't do anything with that. But what I so what I've done whenever I had clients that complain of that, which I know even if they do have nerve damage, this isn't going to hurt them. Is I address the nearest joint. So I go like okay, wherever they think they have this tingly, numbness, nerve issues going on, I look towards the nearest joint. And then that's where I'm going to put a lot of focus on learning and teaching them how to mobilize that. So, and this is a lot of uh, how Prime Pro was, is, is built and designed to use. So if you're a personal trainer and you're always wondering like, you know, you, or you have this too, because this was a common thing for me. I don't know how common it was for you guys. Like clients get this a lot. So for me, it was the two things. It was one is uh, assess their diet and then get out any sort of like inflammatory type of foods that they're eating and and try and eat a lot of uh, pro-inflammatory foods. And then 
addressing where whatever joints are nearest to where this they think they have nerve damage and helping mobilize that. And so with Prime Pro, we go through you know nine different major joints in the body and and show you how to mobilize that. So and and I think just them getting connected better to that area, it's amazing what ends up happening between that and the diet. Mm-hmm. I've yeah, seen I've a found, lot of relief. I've found the same. You know, as far as what people think is you know, more of a problem than it really, you know, more detrimental than it really is where when they understand how their joints really supposed to track, like, especially with the shoulder or the knees, like a lot of times, you know, they're just out of that groove where it it, it functions at its, at its best. And so, um, you know, the, the nerve can be affected by that if it's, you know, being impinged at all in the process of, you know, movement. So, uh, just teaching them and understanding like where, uh, where it is optimal to be in, in, you know, posturally, you know, and then mobilize that and get them to communicate, um, and, and, uh, you know, feel their way through that process really helps. Dude, I I can't, I can't stress this enough. Diet makes a huge, it makes a huge difference. It really does. Look, you know, Jessica had neck pain for a while and we identified the foods that cause it. And it's anything that's high in sugar. When she eats a lot of sugar for two, three days in a row, that she starts to get inflammation in her neck and she starts to hurt her. Yeah. Now she may have, and I think she does. In fact, I, I remember her telling me she has a, an actual issue with her neck. I think she was doing the silks one time fell. And so she might have a disc that's slipped or a little bit of, but that pain is not there unless she eats in a way that's inflammatory. Really gets and it gets aggravated with the inflammatory She doesn't foods. feel it otherwise, yeah. you know, and the same thing with me. I notice when I start to eat bad, I start to feel stiff and it's usually in the areas that, you know, I, I, it's always typically in the same areas for me as well. So diet makes a big difference. Don't overlook that. There it is. Next question is from Eli Harges 30. How to pull potential clients off the floor at a big box gym and sell them personal training. Best ways to work the phone to sell training. I was like, that's two different questions there. Yeah. Yeah. He, he, uh, he hacked the, the claw there. (laughs) <laughs> he, got, he got two for the price of one. Well, it's a twofer. Well played, sir. Yeah. Um, so, I used to I used to teach something here. So that yeah. I don't I don't know anybody else that used to do this with their trainers. Is I used to teach my new trainers, and this was after Justin. So Justin didn't get this training. So he was already good before this. Yeah, I didn't need it. <laughs> <laughs> what I what I later on ended up doing because a lot of times I would hire a trainer and. This was a major challenge for it's them. Always, this is like the hardest thing, right? Yeah, right, because totally. it's it's already hard enough for trainers to uh, adopt sales and learning the whole sales process and work on art of communication. It, that's already a challenging thing for a lot of trainers. Trainers, and then you ask them to go on the floor and rip them off the floor. And that's things. That's really really tough to do um, to approach somebody and try and rip them off the floor and hope in hopes to sell them. So I would step them back and start with just like learning to approach and communicate with people the right way. And I would talk more about that. Like is what that conversation, the first conversation that you ever approach somebody on the floor looks like, get out of your mind that you're trying to sell them personal training or close them because that doesn't come yet. You got to build that relationship first. And now that can be challenging and it could take some time. So what I would do is I would send someone and I used to literally hold my trainer's hands like this. So I would 
pick a couple people who I thought were potential leads for them. I've seen them working out a bunch. They kind of look like they're the same weight. Their body's not changing very much. They're always doing cardio or something. And I feel like this person, or I've seen them reading a, reading a machine, not knowing what they're supposed to do. And I, I would point out somebody said, you know, go, go over there and talk to the lady that's on the third treadmill over the right and just go say hi, introduce yourself as a trainer, find out a couple things about her and her name and her family, maybe her age or what she's doing here, what she does for work, just basic normal conversation stuff. And I would send them to do that and they would come back and report to me and say, okay, cool, great. This is what we're going to do now. So I want you to have this little binder and I have a little binder for them or a journal and we'd write that person's name, their age, whatever information they're gathered. And it's like something about them to remind us. So maybe either, either, you know, oh, tall lady looks like this or wears this type of sneakers, whatever, something so they can kind of remember who that person is. And then we move on from that person and we go talk to somebody else. Now, when I've done this with somebody with like my new hires who I used to spend the first two weeks every single day with them, we'd start to have like 50, 60 people on this list and they would know all these little tidbits about them. Then I'd say, okay, now listen, now every time you see one of these people, you've got this binder over here as a reference if you need it, but go up to them and and say something and make sure to point something out in the conversation that you had from the first time so they know that you listened, you were actively listening And then I would tell them to do that. And so then they walk up to that same lady who they'd see probably three or four days later. And they'd say, oh, Susan, how are you doing? Oh, by the way, how's the job going? You know, how's the project that you were working on last week? I know you're saying you were really stressed with and everything like that. Did you get it done in time? And I'll tell you what, you'll blow their fucking mind that you remembered something as simple as that. And already that will start to bring down any walls they potentially could have. Now, I feel like I can tell, and I think most people that have this conversation, when people are more receptive and open to have a conversation with you, once you get that feeling of them being open and receptive, now you can go in and say like, hey, I noticed that you're always over here and you do this and you do that. Like, what are your goals? What are you trying to do? And then you can start to ask them about what they're trying to do. And then when they open up and they share with you what their goals are, say, hey, I don't know if you have time, but I, you know, t- next week at this day or with that, I do these free assessments for people. It's totally free. And uh, what we could do is we could go over your body fat measurements, all that stuff like that. And we could talk a little bit more detail about your program and exactly what you're doing. And if there's anything that I can do to help you out. And then boom, you walk away. You do that with somebody. Now, I think as you sharpen this skill, you can learn to do that on the very first time ever walking up. And that's when you get really good as you can go walk to somebody and I could say, watch, I'm going to go pull that person off the floor and I can sell them training mm-hmm. right now. I didn't do that overnight. That was a, it was a practice of communication and talking to these people. But I think there is uh, there's also a very systematic and trackable way to do this. And so keep keep notes. It's a very simple thing that you can do that you don't need to share with anybody else as far as like other members on the floor, but it's a way for you to stay organized and and remember these little key points. You become that trainer who walks around and talks to people on the floor all the time and builds relationships with people. Watch how many people you're ripping off the floor. All those things. Be enthusiastic. Be passionate. Be friendly. Boom. I'm done. I got to go. Get my teeth done. See you, you, Justin. (laughs) Have a good time, brother. Yeah. So, you know, my experience with this is, uh, I mean, what Adams, I'm going to echo a lot of what Adam said, but I want to add a little bit. It's, it was easier. It's easier for me. It was easier for me to train and teach trainers what to say once they had that assessment or appointment, or once that person is engaging with them, that was a lot easier to, to, to teach them, uh, or at least to, to train them on. The hardest part of it is just walking up and starting the conversation. That was always the most difficult 
thing to get a, a trainer to do. It's like once they talk to you, that's a, that's that becomes easy. At least it, people become more comfortable, and then I can train you what you should say, you know, how you can present yourself, how you can schedule an assessment, all that stuff. It's the it's that first part. It's that what do I say to someone who's working out? Or what do I? And so I used to tell this to my people all the time. You have to first of all, you have a lot of fear, and that's why it's so hard for you. Just go up and talk to people. Now that sounds like stupid. Oh, you know that's so dumb. So I'll give me some more, you know, some better advice. And you just heard a, m- a bunch of really good um, advice from Adam that was, you know, uh, planned out and structured. But at the end of the day, just go talk to people because the more you do it, the easier it's going to get. You have to go out, and I'll tell you something right now. And the funny thing is, knowing what I know now, after having my own private facility. You know, I mean, you know how much, like, how valuable it is. It is it that you work in a gym with a bunch of leads. Oh gosh, that's for sure. People don't even realize this. If you're a trainer and you're in a big box gym and you've got all these people working around, around working out around you, you're in a gold mine. You're in a total gold mine because you could be a trainer in a private facility and never see another person working out without <laughs> right, a trainer, right? Or never get a walk in or any of that stuff. So you have a bunch of potential leads. First off, stop trying to sell shit. Right on, right, right away, or at least stop trying to sell training right away. Uh, you should always be selling, but that doesn't mean you should be selling training. So your goal should be to, at first, just talk to people, just go up and talk to people. Don't worry about being awkward or whatever. Just go introduce yourself. What, what hey, what are you guys doing today? What's your workout look like? Oh, that looks like a great extra. Doesn't matter. Just talk to people. Get comfortable with that. Then the second goal is, can I get that person to want to schedule an assessment or a consult or or a free workout with me. That's really the goal when you're working the floor. Your goal is not to sell training. Now, can you sell training off the floor? Yes. I used to do it all the time, but those opportunities tend to present themselves, but they only present themselves if I, if I start, start the conversation. I could probably, honest to God, at my entire career working in fitness, I bet you it's probably less than 50 times did a sale just fall into my lap. You know what I mean? Where someone just comes up, hey, I want to buy training. It's like, I remember when that would happen every once in a great while. And it was like, right. you know, the sky opened up and the angels were singing. It was like, that's super rare. I usually had to initiate some kind of a conversation. So practice, practice, practice. Just go up to people, talk to them. I don't give a shit what you talk to them about. Compliment their shoes. Ask them what they think of the music. Hey, what are you listening to? What are you working on right now? Just practice talking to people. And then when you get comfortable doing that, where you feel like you could just walk the floor and just say hi to people and talk to people, then practice booking your consult. And then from there, that's where you sell the training. Now, the second piece of advice is this. It is way harder to pull appointments off the floor than it is to pull them off the front desk. The front desk is easy compared to the floor, way easier because the initial conversations already started. They're walking in the gym. You're about to, they're about to check in, right? Scan their card. Hopefully you're the one that scans their card. So maybe talk to your manager, talk to the front desk Ask them if it's okay if you help at the front desk and scan people in. Typically, it won't be a problem. I'm sure they'll, they'll probably be happy that you do that. And then when you scan their card, it's as easy as beep. Hey, John, how you do? What are you working on today, John? Uh, I'm going to do a little, you know, I'm going to do a little full body. Hey, you want me to take, I'm going to take you through, let me take you through an ab workout. I'm kind of working the floor right now, helping people out. You want me to take you through a core workout? Some people will say no. Some people will be like, oh yeah, fuck yeah, take me through an ab workout. Awesome. Boom. There's your consult right there. Before you go out to the, before you take them out to the floor to take them on a workout, 
You tell them, okay, go change in the locker room. I'll meet you out here. When they come out, follow me. I'm going to ask you some questions before I take you through a workout so I know what exercises to put you through. Now you ask them what their goals are. You get their name. You get their phone number. You find out all their information, whatever. Then you take them out on the workout floor. You take them through that workout. While you're taking them through that workout, you point out the benefits of what you're doing. You get them to agree with it. So do you see how when I do crunches this way, how you can really feel your abs working? Oh, yeah, I can really feel that. You see how that'll make you get faster results? Absolutely. And you do that for a 20-minute workout, 30-minute workout. You ask them how much that time they have. You make sure you, you, you respect their time. And then you say, hey, look, there's only about 10 minutes left. I know you said you need to lose, uh, leave by 6. Here, follow me. There's some more stuff I want to talk to you about. Take them back to your desk. Talk to them about personal training or ask them if they'd like to come back for another free workout and then schedule your assessment. But So the front desk is just it's money. In terms of being able to, you schedule really think people. the front desk is money, huh? I think. Oh, I love I, the front desk was like, for me. I mean, and here's the thing: like, I used to make announcements too, so I used to love doing this. I'd get a new trainer, who I'd talk, I'd talk to him about working the front and doing this and that. And of course, everybody's shy and has a difficult time. And then I'd tell them, and I'd have a, I'd have fun with it, and I'd say, I tell you what, if I get ten new assessments in the next thirty minutes, then you have to go work the floor and talk to at least twenty people in the next hour. Is that a deal? And, if, and many times they'd be like, well, yeah, I'd like to see you try and get 10 assessments. No problem. I go up to the front desk. I get on the intercom. Attention, members and guests. We have free assessments and training sessions available at the front desk. I only have 10 available. First come, first serve. I'd hang up and I'd wait. And people come and sign up. And I'd book appointments left and right. And it's like, it's not as hard as you think it is. The hard part is just making that first, like that first step. And then being okay with people saying no. Like you're gonna get a bunch of no's. You know, I'm, how many times would you have a trainer come back and be like, "Oh, I talked to two people, but they didn't want to be bothered, so then they're afraid to talk to everybody." else. I think a lot of that is just because trainers put, you know, when you're first starting off, you put a lot of pressure on on yourself to go over there and say the right thing. It's like the pickup line thing. It's like, "Oh, what do I say?" Like to like, dude, we just talked about. Someone asked about how picking up somebody on the gym, picking up a, a girl in the gym is no different than picking up a client. You know, what I'm saying? <laughs> it's like the same rules apply. It's like don't go over there and say some stupid line or say some cheesy ass like trainer line just to get him to buy like just go just go talk to people now i love to why well, i use the front desk very very similar to sal so the, i think those tactics were i had uh, as much if not more success though from just ripping from the floor and i would like i would scan somebody in i would see who they were their name or like that say hi to them make you know oh have a great workout and then off let them do their thing and i would watch them when they work out and kind of pay attention to what they're doing i can really look at somebody's like patterns like what do they go warm up do they get on a treadmill do they do stretching stuff do they go gravitate right to the machines do they go to the same comfortable machines that everybody always does do they you know are they doing their form right do they have a like i'll watch this stuff i love to people watch anyways and you're in a gym anyways like a big Mm -hmm. fishbowl and so i would sit there and watch a member go you know their first half of their workout and just try and piece together what are they trying to do you know, what are they trying to accomplish? Then from there, I go, okay, well, I see that she's obviously doing all these ab machine exercises and she's busting her tail on cardio. She's probably trying to lose some weight. She probably wants abs and everything like that. So I know in the back of my head that. So then I'm just going to go start conversation. Once I get her talking conversation, I might in conversation just nicely slide in there like, oh, yeah, so what are you doing goal-wise? That when she says it like, oh, yeah, man, it's crazy. You know, a lot of people... They do a lot of the machine ab exercises to get abs. It's one of the worst ways to do that. You know, and then I'll just keep talking. But I drop something that I know that she fucking did. 
when was probably trying to do that, which would instantly, I know for sure if I just do it naturally in conversation, not like I'm talking about her, I'm talking about people in general. A lot of people, when they work out and they want to see their abs, they, they tend to do like a bunch of machine exercises. There's so many better things that you can do in order to see your abs. And then I'll just keep going in conversation. And then I know that I've piqued her interest because I know she was just doing those things. And it's kind of like a takeaway close. It's kind of like, oh, okay, well, yeah, good to see you. And then I walk away. And if she didn't ask, and then my cha- I'm challenging myself like I need to keep throwing my my fishing line out there until she bites on something and ask me a question my desired outcome my goal is to go over meet this person talk to them and get them to ask me a question once I get you to ask me a question now I can come up turn around and offer a free hour with me now they've invited it yeah and so your goal is not to get over there and to push something on them your goal is to get them to ask you something that you have an answer to. And so I would use information that I've gathered by watching them work out to put things out there knowing that she's probably going to go, well, well, what what exercises are better for your abs? And you mean the machines? Right. I shouldn't be doing the machines? Like, oh, well, yeah. No, there's a lot of things that are very important before you just start going ahead and using ab machines. In fact, you know what, Susan, next Friday, I have these hours or the boss lets me do a free assessments on our members and help them out with things. You know, would you like to do that? And see if she says no. Right, right, right. The second part of the question was best ways to work the phone to sell training. Uh, good luck selling training over the phone. That's <laughs> that's going to be very difficult to do. Uh, try to schedule free consults, free assessments, or free personal training sessions over the phone. That's really uh, the only way to go. Selling training over the phone, I've definitely done it, but it's so difficult to sell anything over the phone. Um, especially personal training because unless that person's worked with you and seen you and already had an assessment with you, people don't typically want to buy or hire a trainer they haven't met yet. If somebody, call, if I used to get these calls, this would go through me for sure as the fitness manager, all these calls, if someone's inquiring about training, I would never sell training on the phone, ever. If someone asked me for personal training on the phone, I'd say, you know, sir or ma'am, that's impossible for me to tell you exactly what you need. And so what I'd like to do with you is I'd like to invite you down for free. Spend some time with me. Let me fully assess you. Let's go over your goals. I need to know how you've been eating in the past, the way you've exercised. I need to see the way you move. Once I see all that, then I can better tell you exactly what kind of program is best for you. So again, take exactly. away clothes. Don't try and sell training on the phone. It'd be de- No matter what, I don't care how good of a trainer you are, if you haven't seen that person, you really don't fully know what that person needs. Even if they're calling saying, I just want to buy some training, how much are the prices? I'm still going to tell you, like, well, listen, well, it depends on what you what you need. And what I'd love to do is spend some time with you and, and give you a free hour of mine. And together, we can figure out exactly what you need. And I'll give you a program that's perfect for you. Isn't that crazy? Works very well. Actually, um, we got a message from I don't I, I don't remember the guy's name. I can't find it. From a I think he's a fitness manager from a Gold's Gym, and he says that his whole staff. His oh, staff, what a cool! Uh, what the, a great! That was an email. If you can find it, dude, I do have it. I have it, right, it. I have it right here. It was, okay, an, it was an it was an email that was sent to Anne, and you know, every, I, she's instructed to send over like you know reviews and things like that when people say some really nice things, and so. The guy's name was Peter. I won't say his last name because he doesn't want people knowing, uh, but he's a Gold's Gym either owner or uh, fitness manager. He says, um, just wanted to let you guys know that all of my trainers at Gold's are listening to at least two of your episodes a week. I listen and read everything you pump out. And we discuss what they've learned and how they implement it in every Friday, as well as talking about what worked and didn't work from the previous week. 
You guys are an invaluable resource for me and my trainers. We're about to double our best month ever, and we're just ha- past halfway through the month. Ugh, so rad. Isn't that great? It gives me goosebumps. You're pushing their knowledge base, their sales skills, and people skills. They're thinking critically about training, focusing on client retention, and taking a thoughtful approach to workout design and implementation. They pull me every uh, pull me aside every day to let me know of something new they've learned. You've cr- you've created subscribers for life, dude. That's so rad. And tell you what, Peter, I don't know where you're at. I would love to find out where you're at because if we're ever in your city or in your town, um, it's a seven one four area code, Doug. I don't know if you know where that's at. That's what his number is on here. If you're if uh, we're ever in your area, I would love to come by, say hi, do maybe a talk with all of your trainers. Oh, I would love it on our dime for sure. Anaheim? Oh, Southern Cal. Oh, shit. Right. Well, we go down to the L.A. area all the time. So I tell you what, Peter, stay in touch with uh, one of us boys. It's good. This is our, This is our. I mean, that's like our total wheelhouse, right? So when I hear that we're impacting, you know, our, our industry, at least the industry, that, the way that we used to be in it, feels good. It feels really good, man. Right. Super awesome to be here. Uh, check it out. Uh, show notes. I can't stress this enough. Awesome links in the show notes. And there's also studies and for quoting a study or a news article or whatever that's the place to find it go to mindpumpmedia.com it's under the podcast tab thank you for listening to mind pump if your goal is to build and shape your body dramatically improve your health and energy and maximize your overall performance check out our discounted rgb super bundle at mindpumpmedia.com the rgb super bundle includes maps anabolic maps performance and maps aesthetic Nine months of phased expert exercise programming designed by Sal, Adam, and Justin to systematically transform the way your body looks, feels, and performs. With detailed workout blueprints and over 200 videos, the RGB Super Bundle is like having Sal, Adam, and Justin as your own personal trainers, but at a fraction of the price. The RGB Super Bundle has a full 30-day money-back guarantee, and you can get it now plus other valuable free resources at mindpumpmedia.com. If you enjoy this show, please share the love by leaving us a five-star rating and review on iTunes and by introducing Mind Pump to your friends and family. We thank you for your support, and until next time, this is Mind Pump.